Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for men in their 40s who want to improve their health through nutrition and fitness. This is episode 137, and on today's episode, we are going to be discussing how coordination and brain neuroplasticity can give you an exponential increase in strength. Joining me is Justin Franzen. Justin is one of the only performance coaches in the world doing hands-on nerve treatments for performance. These treatments called athleticism neurostacking quantifiably get your motor nerves to fire faster, equating to about 20% increase in strength instantly. I'd also like to thank the show's sponsors, Athletic Greens, which is now known as AG1. Their mission is to empower people to take ownership of their health. Athletic Greens brings comprehensive, convenient daily nutrition to just about everybody. Taking a bunch of pills and capsules is hard on the stomach and hard to keep up with. AG1 has 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens in one convenient daily serving. Their philosophy is to focus on a very small number of products based on what the latest science indicates is essential to human health. Athletic Greens is offering listeners of the show 10% off their first order. Just head over to athleticgreens.com forward slash fitterhealthierdad to get your discount. Hey, Justin, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Great, Darren. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks very much for taking the time out of your day to uh, to come on the show. So as I said before we started recording, I am super excited for this podcast today because your book is fantastic, Like, and I genuinely mean that. Um, so for people that haven't come across Justin and your history and your background, can you give us a little bit of insight as to how you've got to where you're at today? Yeah, definitely. Darren, I'm an athleticism performance coach. Athleticism.com is where you find me. Worked with amateur and professional athletes for over the past couple of decades, working on the nervous system right. and doing nerve health for sports performance. Now I do lots of treatments and treat clients and do sensory and motor nerve work to get them stronger and longer out of pain and do lots of concussion treatments with light, sound, frequency, vibration. So that's the resonance that I'm in. That's the space I'm in and done it for a while. And so the EMF world came across just seeing athletes breaking down from too much wearable stuff. Yeah, I mean, that that's a, a topic in and of itself. But I think the bit that I'm super fascinated about, which kind of really blew my mind, is this whole concept of the fact that we can improve performance athletic performance by switching on cognitively or neuro if that's even the right word the, the brain essentially to get that performance and that is absolutely fascinating but when you break it down to me when you when you think about it it's logical right because that's like it's almost like that's our cpu of a computer in our heads 
So it makes sense if you can optimize that, you can optimize performance. But how did you get to that point where that became a thing? You know, because generally with athletes, it's all about the physical or the nutrition and stuff like that. And but what you're talking about is a, is a next level. Oh, thanks. Well, I just was blessed, man. I was looking for an incredible program and mentor, and I found it. Right. So in the late 1990s, <clears throat> Dean Brittenham had a sports performance program going and he just was doing those things and thinking out of the box and teaching people how to juggle. And for uh, teaching runners, he was a track coach. So he'd be like, hey, if you're running and you're running off of both legs and then you're, you have both arms going, you know, and you're, you got this Paulson going, you have to be long and stable and powerful on the left leg and equally so on the right. So let's balance that out. Well, the arms have to be equal as well and they have to be long and stable and powerful too. And, and so we started just diving in at such a deeper awareness. And, mm. and that, that's my biggest thing I think in the book is awareness. So just having awareness of how our bodies work, what feeds our body, how we're sleeping, get in tune with getting grounded by nature, understanding what stressors are and, and, and how to eliminate them to get better, understanding, you know, for EMF space, like frequency healing and, and waveform and that the universe is, you know, one with us, we're one with them. We rev yeah. the same way they do and the universe does. And, and this, you know, and a man-made stuff would be different, you know, than that. And just having awareness on all these spectrums is really what the book kind of dives into, I feel. Yeah, definitely. The book is, uh, yeah, it, it is really, really good. The, 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 the kind of the way that it's structured. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I actually sent a picture of that to my friend when I first started to read it cause I was blown away. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes through what you would, if you are into sports performance, it would go through the, the fundamentals, doesn't it initially? So it talks about nutrition. It talks about mindset, but then in the kind of the final, I guess the, not the chapter, but the final third of the book is where it like, that's what blew my mind. And so <laughs> I, I, I just kind of want to, I want to step back from there because obviously you, you came, you came across Dean and um, at the time, I mean, in the 1990s, even now for me reading what you've written, that's blown my mind now and we're in 2022, right? So <laughs> presumably in, in 20, in, in 1990, that was just like, was you were you skeptical about that when you came across it or did it all make sense you know it's so wild like literally we were one of the first programs doing it no one knew what the pros were doing right and and my mentor he was older he was one of the pioneers in sports performance so the first time i saw it it was just how i'm wired is to think out of the box right. and not follow the norm on you know what you know what people are doing and so I always question that and research. I'm a huge researcher and then feel it how I felt. And I consider myself a decent athlete. So uh, decent enough to know when I do something and it, it, how I feel after it. So I wasn't skeptical at all. In fact, I was absolutely blown away and floored. And I'm like, this is, this is what I'm doing. So yeah. it was that cut and dry. And because when you could take someone and develop coordination and keep developing it and allow them to get in the flow that's infinite flow of the universe man you, you can't deny it because mm. that's that's the essence of performance and we can see it uh, what's your sport darren what do you enjoy doing uh triathlon 
Okay, so when you're in the flow, when you're in the zone, when you just, every stroke is just perfect, every step is on point, your breath's flowing, like that's a brainwave state called the alpha state, like eight to 12 hertz or waves per second. Okay. You know, this stuff's 2.45 billion waves per second, it's one directional. So we can get out of it really quickly, but the trick is for athletes is to stay in it and how do you train to get into that space. And so that's the essence of where the back half of the book is. And, you know, I had to write the front half because it, it's like, it was a necessary evil. I'm like, God, this stuff's so boring, (laughs) but you have to put it in there and then semantics and, you know, everyone knows to eat clean food. I guess they do now, but then you get to the meat of it when we start doing the run, jump stuff, coordination stuff, when you do that right. And then get into the brain training, eye training. Yeah. And the funny thing is though, right, is, is, is that I want to raise that point that you just made there about um, people eating clean, right? Because it, that, that's used a lot, that word. But I, st- I mean, I don't know what it's like in the US, but definitely in the UK, I still think we have a m- massive way to go before people really, we've lost the ability to understand what food is, right? We right. think that food is in a packet on a supermarket shelf and it's just not simple right food comes out of the ground it comes from a farm you know in a, in the most um uninterfered way possible but you know and so whilst you i think maybe you and i take for granted eating clean i think some of the listeners perhaps are just coming to this from maybe changing from the western diet right the western diet is full of processed carbohydrates and you know all the rest of the nonsense that we could talk about. Right. And so, you know, for, for, for people that haven't read the book, we, if we talk about the nutrition element of it right now and, and, and the fundamentals that you see as, as nutrition. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. I have a friend named Jim Gale. He started a company called food forest abundance, right. and he wants to change this whole cycle of eat, people really recognizing that, hey, you, when you grab a snack, it's gotta come out of a bag. Mm. <clears throat> Why not pull it off a tree? And <clears throat> so he's, any open space, he's he's making forests of food that wow. you can grow. So trees and plants, it's just incredible. But that's, you know, we've been tricked in industries, like across the board. Yeah. And the, the agriculture industry is probably you know, one of the biggest ones that tricked us. Like, hey, glyphosate kills weeds. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, help grow more food for people. Well, that's just ridiculous. And that thing destroys your gut. It destroys the plants. And right now, <clears throat> there's 10 times amount of glyphosate in our foods than there were when we were little. I mean, it's just, it's devastating for the kids growing up in their gut health and their microbiome. So we got to go back to the basics of really understanding what how nature was designed and how we're designed to really thrive with it and get these chemicals out of our world and it's no different from that from telecom saying like broadcasting millimeter waves saying hey we're connected this is great for all of us well no it like chips away your life force so you know there there's so many different industries unfortunately that we have to really unlearn and relearn what what's been taught to us as what health is yeah absolutely and i and i always i almost think that we have de-evolved and what i mean by that is you know we've come away from how our ancestors used to live right back in the 50s and the 40s and the stuff like that right where 
food was there, but it wasn't in so much of an abundance like we have it now, right? In the Western world, you can eat 24 hours a day if you want to, because it's there and it's accessible by an app on your phone. But that's not how the body's designed to work, right? And I always use the analogy of a car. You wouldn't keep filling a car up, right? And the fuel tank overflowing. But we seem to keep filling ourselves up, don't we, with food. And, and, and we don't stop. That's so true. I mean, that's a great analogy. And there's, there's food is made to make it addictive. And that's yeah. the other component. So there's addictive qualities to these foods that they're making. And, and the food industry literally is hands down directly correlated and responsible for the over the obesity, you know, in, in our yeah. population, and then also diabetes single-handedly, yeah. like literally from the processed food and the modified food and, and selling, you know, palm oil, like literally as a food, like, mm. and then people eat a whole bag of it. I have an MCT oil from, from Palm Kernel. You take a teaspoon of it in the morning and night. That's all you need of the proper medium chain triglyceride. But when yeah, you take yeah. that whole product and for 25 years, every major food brand that all of us have eaten across the board, you know, has made food from that, like they're literally responsible. And then you throw in all the chemicals. There's yeah. nothing real that we're eating, you know, from those brand. So we got to really get back to understanding nature, growing our food, creating these food forests in our backyards so we can go, you know, grab food whenever we need to, but we know that it comes from mother nature, not from some, you know, farm fat, factory farmed, you know, ag type of processed yeah. you know, system. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess when you're working with people on your program though, it, it obviously, I would imagine you go into nutrition, but a lot of the people that come to your program are already up. They have an understanding, right, of what real nutrition is. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, so the next steps, then, you know, for particularly for, for some of the listeners listen to the podcast, they may be starting back into their fitness journey, or they may have come to it from nothing, right? When you work with people on your program how how do you structure it because there is a tendency particularly for guys who come into to starting to want to get fit to just go all in right it's all in as hard as you can and then bang they get injured right so so kind of how what's your kind of structure and approach and and kind of i guess method around that darren you got to check the ego out the door I mean, right. that's number one, like 100%. guys come in, they're like, they're dad. They're like, man, I was a baller, this and that. And, and you, if you blow them out the first day, you'll never see them again. Yeah. And then they're going to get injured then. And it might be a long time before they recover from an injury. Mm. So the first thing I do, our stuff is great because we can scale it with any age, any level of an, and any type of athlete, but it's all about foundation work. And that's mm -hmm. how we see the progression in our book. Obviously the foundation work, posture and balance and stretching, you know, all these things should be done just with progression and not an at all cost method. And that goes across the board with, with everything in our life, but definitely with this. So I look to 
fire nerves to fire muscles. So when I'm working with our clients, I do that first. The first day of working with okay. me is on the treatment table. <laughs> right. Literally, you don't sweat. I, and you don't even sweat much in my workouts anyways, unless we're doing the run jump stuff when you've yeah. built up to that. Right. But it's all foundational based stuff. So I'm doing joint integrity, stability stuff. So if someone's only as strong as their weakest link, Darren, what are the typically weak links? Well, the joints mostly. Yeah, so yeah. I'm doing really light, slow movements to stabilize joints most of the time and working on just creating space and lengthening, opening up that thoracic spine yeah. and doing it all from a treatment and then getting their brainwave state low. Like I would rather have them take a 20 minute nap essentially on our sound bed yeah. to get their brainwave state into theta you know, so they can start to create and create abundance and then get in more into a lower brainwave state. So they're in the flow state for whatever they choose to do. That's a more productive workout than, than, you know, the run and puke, you know, method. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that, you know, when you explain it like that, it make to me, that makes so much logical sense because, you know, often you get people that have a desk job, and that they maybe you know they've got to their forties and our movement patterns have been fixed in such a way that our mobility and flexibility is just not there to do the exercise that we think in our minds that we can do. Right. And you're so right with the ego. It's like men are the worst with the ego. It's like, oh, I can do this. I smashed it out of the park. Like you say, look, you know, particularly if you've got young kids, you want to show it to, to your children. And, and that's when injuries happen. And, and unfortunately I think, that then would probably set people back a lot further than when, from when they started. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, get in, get in touch with your body and your breath and understand that, Hey, if you haven't been moving it for 20 years, that's okay. But you got to slow it down and go back yeah. to the foundation. You have to build a foundation and it's no different from building a business or a home. It, when you have that foundation built, you can really grow upon it. And so, that's that's the intent that we're going in with it and and they'll thank you for it in the long run because like man i'm feeling better yeah i have more range of motion i can put my pants on without <laughs> my back hurt yeah i mean the yeah, little yeah. things I, I i've seen 40 year young people that look like they're 70 yeah. flexibility wise it's the craziest thing you've ever seen and you know, these guys are you know they they don't listen to their body or I had one client, stud athlete, his wife jumped on him when he was in the pool and he, he, he jammed his hip. Well, he right. never got it adjusted. Right. So for literally for 20 years, he had bone on bone grinding wow. and he ruined his hip. Like wow. it, all he had to do was to go to Cairo and get it adjusted and he would have not had to have hip surgery. Yeah. And so yeah. like just understanding your body and listening to it, guys, like, encourage you to listen to it man and 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 get with other guys that have been through it and have that gift of seeing stuff and then helping you through that yeah i think i just think that's such an important point because it's you know we, we only ever do this once we get injured and i i hold my hands up that's me you know i got injured and it was only then do i now go and see a chiropractor at least twice a month because i just see the huge benefits of of the range of motion and your spinal health and everything else. So 
with that then justin how long would you work with somebody i guess it depends on their their kind of flexibility and state before you would then start to prescribe them doing the kind of next step where they're actually starting to do some exercise oh it depends i mean it could be several sessions you know to take to build a foundation depends their age and you know what they're going through but yeah kind of just feel it out everyone's individual and needs individual approach once they're stable, then we start doing smaller jumps. Like just do, like I call them line drills or dot drills, like do the little stuff. So they're not really high impactful things. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, have them go through some of the coordination movements before I have them start doing some of the barriers. Yeah. And yeah. we have some foam barriers here. I'll, I'll grab one for you okay. and show you what it yeah. looks like for a barrier. And but before we start having them jump over stuff uh, and you could set up towels instead of it, but you just, you, you got to train with progression. So start with the line, start with the dachos, just get chalk, like chalk out the whole floor, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and start to, you know, have that in those semicircles. I do workouts and nonlinear that you'll okay. see in the book, training the brain to be more coordinated. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, can I get a red one too, please? And, and then, and then, I, I'm showing you a, a barrier here, but right. it's foam. So this is about 14 inches. Okay. And uh, they, yeah, this is, this is, this bends. Right. If they right. step on it, it gives, you know, but, but we do all speed drills first before we get into jumping and jumping over something that's, you know, 14 inches. That's right. a big right. jump for a dad that hasn't yeah. jumped for 20 years. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's what we're looking at. And, and, and I have progression within the barrier sizes. So we'll end up having ones that are six inches first, and then we go to nine and then 14 and then 27. And so you can start, you can start seeing um, like, this is, you know, like this is a different size. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. So, you know, we have different sizes of yeah. barriers and so that's what we're really looking at is is that training with progression and so it just each i think as a strength coach or fitness expert whatever you want to call yourself performance coach you'll know when the right time is to yes. step someone up and sweating super important you guys don't get me wrong I, I end up saying like, Hey, look, I, I'm not here to like be a babysitter and make you sweat or be a bean counter. Like the stuff when, when you're working with me, it's really foundational and performance oriented. And, and it yeah. doesn't matter if you're a pro or amateur or what level you're at, we're still going to do a lot of those same foundations to, to develop that coordination, to allow you to grow. And then guess what? There's no telling how good you can get. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's such a different approach, isn't it? Because it's like you say, it's that progressive approach, which builds, like you say, you're building the foundations and over time, you know, we're in this kind of world, this, I call it the Amazon world where we want to click and get a result in 24 hours. Right. Whereas if you take the time to put the foundations in, you're more likely, I think to progress at a, a better rate than, than you would if you just went in and just, you know, started to do stuff straight off the bat. Right. Um, and I, and I think the, the other, the, un, the other interesting point is, a, is about 
the various different functional mobility elements that you you kind of put into the program because you know if you look at a a, a small toddler that's 18 months old they have perfect don't they? they have perfect agility mobility flexibility it's but we lose all that as adults um and to get that back as you age i believe is just so critical yeah well you think about it i always use the an, an analogy of a tree like right. when you see a tree that is branches are brittle and they'll snap right away guess what that tree's about to die yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you know our bodies man when we get super stiff and and aren't pliable anymore that's showing that we're towards the end of our lifespan so i i want to keep that length and that pliability and stability uh, that elasticity of our mm. muscles you know, and our bones for that matter as long as we can and and when you do the right stuff within training with the right postures and get the foundation set and get that breath going into it and really dive into you know how you can start to train with progression your body's going to keep going and going and going i mean i live in probably one of the healthiest areas like anywhere in the country in newport right. beach like laguna right. beach like california yeah everyone is at the beach outside shirts off you know running cycling mountain biking swimming playing volleyball yeah. you know these guys are crazy fit guys and i see guys in their late 70s you know playing beach volleyball two-man beach volleyball it the body will just continue to go and go and i've had pga golfers like john cook's a prime example right. he probably right. shut his career down on the pga champions tour probably 10 years soon yeah. literally yeah. You know, I look at back, he could have continued to play. He, I think he stopped around 55 or six. Right. You know, yeah. And he could have played into his mid sixties, like with ease. And he, all the guys his age are still playing. They're still winning. They're still earning. Like you, when you have those good genes, you have a runway and you have that program. Mm. Yeah, you have a runway and he didn't have to get into broadcasting. He did because he chose to, he wanted to, but there's such a big runway. Like there's no telling how good you can continue to get because when you're working at the nervous system level, you're getting in a flow state, you're, you're doing brain entrainment and then you're feeding your body and soul with the right you know, stimulants. Our bodies are just designed to thrive and adapt. Yeah, yeah. And I think, that, I think that's, a really, that's a really important point kind of point and topic actually in so much as I, I believe that in society it's almost like it's an acceptance or it's a default that you know as we age we are supposed to deteriorate and I don't believe that's the case that should you know that's definitely not the case but it's 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 shifting that mindset right and I even speak to dads on the touchline of rugby fields who are similar age to me like nearly 50 and they're like, yeah, my knees are gone and all this. And it's just my age. And I'm thinking to myself, no, that's not, you're, you're completely misunderstood. But I don't say anything because people have this, this fixed kind of belief, right? And it's shifting that belief because, yeah, like you say, it's, if you, if you, it's maintaining a car analogy again, right? If, if you maintain it, then you won't lose the ability to lose it. Yeah. And so I'm 50. I turned 51 real soon. 
So I, I'm, I'm in that same bracket, you know, I have yeah. wife and daughter and the whole deal. So, you know, I'm one of those dads that wants to stay fitter. So this is lots of work, you guys, you know, mm. you got it, you got to be diligent on it, mm. you know, but I love it because it feeds me because I can keep doing it and, and competing with, with my daughter, who's an ex exceptional athlete, you know, at age 14. So, uh, and, and I, I see a big window for me. I'm not slowing down for the yeah. next couple of decades. Like yeah. literally, I just don't, I still surf big waves. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've shifted away from the high impact of basketball, like, like really banging hard to more like beach volleyball. So I'm, I, I've, I've shifted it, but I'm still super functional and active. And I've really got out into nature a lot more ocean right. swim dives and surfing. And I've always surfed, but, but really getting in one with nature has been what's feeding my soul and keeps that, that energy up. Yeah, definitely. And you live in a beautiful place of the world to do it. I must admit, I, I have been there a few years ago and it is an amazing place, but, um, in, so in terms of then the next steps for people that have gone through that progression, they started to move better. I really now want to dig into what this is my a favorite topic is the neurology, neurological side of things and the brain training and the psych training and the rest of it. So where do you then take people from the next step to kind of, as you say in the book, you, you know, we're talking about people talk about 1% gains, but you're talking about 10 time gains, you know, from, from using this, this methodology. Yeah. So what we're doing is once we build out foundation and understand that what we do is lots of brain training. So the brain training is basically, we can do, you know, several different things here. We have our bricks and right. we can teach the brain, you know, how to move these. These are really light foam bricks. Right. Uh, and, but when you start to flip them around, you're creating, right. you know, lots of coordination and then even flip the middle one around. I mean, that's not easy to do right there. Uh, yeah. Juggling's another one. I'll back up a little bit, but we have three balls and right. you learn to juggle. Like this is, this is what, when we're juggling, we're creating a, a figure eight. You're getting right. in the infinite flow. You know, that's an eight going up and around. So what we want to do is understand that when we're moving, you can create figure eight patterns. When you're juggling and, and doing brain exercises, eye hand coordination, you can get in that figure eight. Yeah. So the number of exercises is, is limitless as far right. as what you can do. I would encourage people to do like stick fighting and learn how to stick fight. And when you start learning sticks, you start learning this flow and ambidexterity of both sides. So the list goes on and on as far as, you know, how coordinated you can get, how in sync you can get both sides of your brain and and we root it back, you know, Darren, I, I, when, when our daughter was, you know, young, she would reach with one hand, reach with one hand. Well, I'm like, okay, it's okay if you reach with the other hand, like let's yeah. teach you that at a young age or, or if there's a balloon, like tap it with this hand. Okay, tap it with the other hand. Right. So start to use these hands and all of a sudden, you know, everything comes alive for you. And when you're playing rugby or whatever sport you, you enjoy doing, you're going to have such a flow state and you're going to go out there and go, man, I played really well. Like how yeah, did I play yeah. so well? And when you don't do this stuff, you're kind of like, ah, you just have a frustrating day. It's, it's wild to see the difference between when you're trained and warmed up 
versus yeah. when you're not because you could feel it yourself and then it, you, you just you can sense the frustration i mean i i equated when i was playing basketball if i didn't do my warm-up before i played i should just sit on the bench but right. when i did it i was like you're just i'm on point like you can't miss so yeah. it's wild to see that and once you start to get into this this type of training yeah. So in terms of what's going on in the brain, then when we're talking about the hand eye coordination, is it a simple case of the circuitry in the brain is being used that ordinarily we're not using? It's kind of just laying dormant. Yeah, you're connecting pathways, neural pathways that haven't really been connected. They're, they're essentially dormant. Yeah. So we have to train that brain. So if you're teaching someone to juggle and you're like, okay, throw this ball up to the other hand and then this ball up and, and then, or throw this ball and then this ball, it's like, they're used to stepping with the right leg first. So then throwing this one first is tricky. Yeah. Or stepping with their opposite legs. You can right. see them like slow down. You can see that brain, like literally working. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, what's so cool about this stuff is, is, it's not different stepping with up a step with your right leg or your left leg, but a lot of people just have that dominant side that they lean towards. So training that first step over the barrier, you know, with your left and then with your right, it's a huge difference for mm. the body when you're, when you're developing that coordination. And, and, and in doing that and developing that coordination, does that then mean that you are because you're using both sides as, as opposed to just using your dominant side you're then balancing out the way that the body moves and therefore when you're translating that across to sport and sports performance you're then more balanced in the way that you're moving is that fair to say oh definitely and you're going to have less injuries there's a doc named dr tim brown he's known as a beach doc he's on the world surf league like the co-medical director met him years ago through my wife and we hit it off and yeah. he referred me just countless top, top athletes, all top 10 athletes in the world in multiple sports. Yeah. And the reason he was referring him to me because I was one of the one guys that would train both sides of the body. And so these guys would just be hitting balls, hitting balls, hitting balls, yeah. only yeah. developing one side. They have these tremendous imbalances. So all he did all day was correct those imbalances. So when he found someone that was working with athletes to develop that whole body, you know, equally, uh, he just absolutely loved it. Yeah. And, and again, like I said, at the beginning of the interview, it's got, it kind of makes sense. And, and it's, it's, it's simple, isn't it in a way, but it's complicated to actually kind of, you know, start using in practice right because it's it feels unnatural it feels unnormal and you you talk about in the book about left hand right hand and writing and things like that and i'm left-handed then to try and write in your right hand you know your writing's terrible but it's it's using that it's kind of challenging isn't it? it's challenging the brain to to do something it's not used to doing it's stimulating it to adapt and to grow and mm. those are the proper stimulations that you want versus creating a putin puke index, you yeah. know, where you're pushing someone to develop so much acid that they can't buffer it, that they have to vomit. Like these are things that you can subtly chip away at. I didn't know how to juggle when I, you know, I started this in the night. I was like, it was, my brain was so linear trained. Yeah. I, I yeah. saw him do it, but I, I physically could not do it. Yeah. And 
after becoming you know a whole brain performer it took years and now i i you know i could join the circus i can juggle <laughs> well <laughs> and my wife always told me that it, it doesn't work you got another career so yeah yeah, yeah so it, it, but but yeah these these opening up these neural pathways these hormone releases endorphin releases they're super profound and they're a huge part of training and especially if someone's doing an exercise and then during the rest period they're just resting like why not splash juggling in or some ambidexterity exercise in during yeah. the rest period so you're really maximizing time and workout so there's so many touch points on, on training you know with athleticism yeah. So, so in the book, then um, you go, you go through various different elements that the people can do, but for people listening today that, that, you know, are either doing sports or coming to sports that they perhaps haven't done for, for a long time, what would be your record apart from reading the book, obviously, what would be your, your kind of recommendation for, for people to start? Well, I would say grab a stretching belt if you can, or a towel and just, do two second holds on stretches just to, right. and, and breathe, exhale when you stretch. Like start with that, like literally create some space in your body. Mm -hmm. I would look at the posture, make sure you're open, you know, find a doorway and stretch out, you know, yeah. the chest a little bit. Connecting your breath with your body is, is just so foundational. Uh, once you do that, you know, then, then we could start to, you know, go into some, coordination exercises and, and, you know, for your, for your hands and then also for your feet. But I would just, the biggest thing I, I start with, my two biggest things are, are connecting length uh, and your breath with, and then the next one would be balance. So I would right. find something that's unstable that you could balance. Cause when you can have length and joint stability, then it opens you up to do so much more. Right. But if you stand on a BOSU ball, man, you're going to get, you start to see your hands shaking or your knee, your knees shaking or whatever ankles, like that's a good thing. And it's, it's strengthening up those smaller intrinsic muscles to support the bigger prime mover. So the stretching and the balance and the breath work is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, recently I've, I've started using breath work during running and doing nasal only breathing. And that has been transformational for my running. Just Good for you, Darren. That's great. It's incredible. I mean, your heart rate's lower. The lactic acid buildup is lower. You're, I, I feel more efficient because I'm nasal breathing. Um, and, and, and the other side to it as well, when you're talking there about balance, and that is balance and sight, which is an area that I've challenged myself on. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that is, is, there's balance. And then when you take your sight away and balance, that's a whole different level. That's yeah. really challenged me. Just having one foot in front of the other with my arms out and my eyes shut. Wow. That's really challenges your balance. Definitely. And, and there's so many different ways you can challenge your balance. The first would be what you just said. It's just do it on the ground. So you're, you, you can just, yeah, you, you have some level area space to work with. Uh, the next progression would be to do it on a ground and then turn your head to the right. 
like stand on one leg and just turn your head to, to the right. It'll throw you off a little bit. Stand on the ground, turn your head the other way. Look up, look down, close your eyes. It develops, you're looking at heightening your proprioceptors, right. your balance receptors throughout all your skin. So you're not just relying on your sight. You're listening, you're, you're using so many other senses. So you're basically upregulating your sensory nervous system. Mm -hmm. So you have better connective points. And, and then, then you could stand on something like a, a balanced ball, not a ball, but actually a, a, a little pillow thing, something that's, or a foam you know, box or, or something like that, that's not too unstable. And then go to a BOSU ball uh, and, and you would keep the flat part on the ground and the dome part up. I have a skateboards. I have extreme balance boards. We have so many different ones. I have a figure eight board, which I love yeah. where you get rotational balance. Right. And right. that one's great for athletes that spin a lot. So man, there's so many fun components that you can do to tap into yeah, your nervous system and upregulating all the proprioceptors through the body to give you better balance. And probably the biggest thing, because it, Darren, when you don't have balance, you can't do anything efficiently. So that's one of the biggest mechanisms to work with. And especially as we get older, right, we lose those proprioceptors and falling for the mostly for the elderly, like that's a big challenge. Like mm -hmm. that's real. So to have them have that stimulus and have that length and stability in there is going to be so, so important to where they don't have a fall and a big injury and that that'll wipe them out quicker than they should have. Been. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the kind of final thing that I wanted to touch on is around longevity, because, you know, I've been reading a lot about that recently. And you, you mentioned there about falling. Um, and the other biggest factor is, is your glutes is, is when you get older, losing the, the strength in your glutes so that people actually can't even get out of the chair anymore. Right. Uh, and, it, and, and all of it comes back to, you know, basic stuff of, of being able to do body weight squats. How many people can do a body weight squat? You know, I, I can do it. I have to have my heels elevated, but you know, I make a point of doing it every single morning now because it, it for me, as you know, as we get to a, a later life, it is about that longevity, but being able to be mobile as we get older, right? Yeah. So Darren, for you, what I want to do is when you do a squat, do you put something underneath your heel? Yeah. It's just maybe about an inch thick. It is. Okay, great. And then do you go all the way down like a catcher? I, I go all the way down in a deep squat and I hold it there for about 20 seconds. Okay, great. So uh, as you're training that, what a fun way to do for you to get more strength and mobility is to go into it and have a like a yoga mat behind you, roll down on your back and right. then roll back up. So you have momentum going down and into it right. and you have momentum coming back up and, and standing up. Okay. So squat down and then roll backwards and wow. then roll back up like quickly use your arms yeah. And then yeah. come back up to your heels and stand up again. Right. And right. you'll start to get that movement because what I would love to do is to get you to activate all those muscles so you don't have to have that raise. And that'll help. Uh, the most of the time, it's a flexibility in a gastroc. And, right. and, 
but you can move through these move with these movement systems to develop that fuller range. So really simple techniques. I, I mean, I'll, another one for someone, I had knee pain at one point. I, right. uh, I ran downhill too fast and, okay. and uh, there's a funny story behind it. I won't bore you with it, but, but net net, uh, my adductors, my inner thighs fired up. My arches collapsed. It fired the inner thigh. I started feeling knee pain but it was from just too much pounding the arches collapsing. So right. I went and, you know, I, I got orthotics and that balanced my arches out. Cause as I aged, what happened was, is I wasn't able to have that impact that right. I, and, and absorb that impact as much. Cause I wasn't using my feet as much. So it fired up the inner thigh and then it felt it in the knee. So there's so many different, you know, tips that we can do to, to help uh, prevent that, but definitely that mobility and and going through it with a faster movement can yeah. can help yeah. you even get you even more. Yeah, that that's super super helpful. And I think I actually have right knee pain at the moment. And um, <clears throat> well, late last year I had a stress fracture in that same side, and oh. I believe it's either my my hip mobility or I have a um, the the leg that I have the the knee pain on my right ankle is very it's not flexible it's not flexible as the same as the left so um yeah is it in the front where yeah pretty much in the front yeah so yeah. if it is a patellar tendonitis like top of the patellar yeah i would say it's the top of the patellar yeah so that's a lot of quad stretch so the typically the top part of your quad is where you get that you know on the patellar side so right. really do so as stretches like take a knee and stretch out the yeah. your your hip flexor and then really do good quad stretches too uh and and then i always like to work the it band so okay literally pull the it band up yeah uh, if, if you're i'm seated so pull that it band up and that'll create some space because that will wrap around and and keep the quads tighter so there's there's some tricks of the trade and working with the body yeah. that you can get rid of these nicks and pains and allow yourself to keep doing, you know, your sports and, and your exercise. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you've just given me a great excuse to come to, to over to Newport and, uh, and visit you to be honest, Justin. So, uh, I don't think I need any excuses to come over there, but uh, now you've just given me one. So, uh, yeah, well, yeah. definitely we'd love to have you and, and we'd, we'd have some fun working out together and, and working on you and showing you some good tips, but, I think there's a lot in this podcast and the only the last thing I want to say is sleep is probably one of the biggest things for yeah. guys. And so that's been a, a huge pillar for us. And, and is really, we have, we have grounding bags, you know, that help people sleep. And like that to me is probably, you know, as I'm aging, like the quality of getting grounded by nature and the quality of my sleep and, and then really have be staying mobile to be able to sweat those yeah, yeah. that is my recipe right now for for longevity yeah absolutely and i, I want to just touch on that before we finish actually because i've been using the, the mf rocks that you sent and what i've noticed since i've been using them is i get a much deeper sleep awesome. so um yeah it, they, that's that's really really helped so i really appreciate you sending those over so justin we could talk for hours, but um, I'm respectful of your time and I really appreciate you coming on today. So for people that want to find out more about athletic, 
athleticism and you know your book and your website where can they where can they reach you athleticism.com it's spelled athletic ism.com okay. that's where they can find me and our grounding bags they're on there as well with emfrocks.com and it'll dive into all the waveform technology and understanding these these energy systems and yeah that man when your body's smiling that's the most contagious thing in the world is that smile and that's the energy that we want to bring to everyone yeah perfect absolutely i completely agree so thank you very much again for coming on to the podcast and yeah hopefully um i'll get out to newport and, and we can meet in person definitely darren thanks so much for having me thanks for listening to the fitter healthier dad podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please hit subscribe and I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com. <laughs>